Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. Today on the Ether, Into the Interchain, hosted by Shade Protocol, featuring XLR Network. Let's take a listen. Ah, it's been a beautiful day here, so I can't complain. Not sure uh, what part of the world you're, you're located in, but uh, Southeast U.S. is beautiful right now. Nice. I'm, uh, I'm in Connecticut right now. It's a little nippy, but a okay. great, great day to be on a computer. <laughs> yep. I I feel like I sometimes uh, get a little too comfortable where I'm at. I was uh, mowing my lawn in February in a tank top. So uh, <laughs> I've been experiencing the warmth for a little bit now. But yeah, I was down in Florida all winter, so I was in a, in a similar boat. So we'll give this a few more minutes for people to uh, for people to come in. I'm going to promote this Twitter space around for a few more minutes and then uh, we can kind of kick this off. I know we've got a lot going on today with uh, yesterday we had planned secret network upgrade that took a little bit, a uh, bit more troubleshooting than I think everyone uh, was hoping for, but I think it was like 1 a.m. or so Eastern, uh, the chain was back up and running. So got some extra things we're planning for today. We've got new assets that we're going to be launching on Shade Swap. Um, preparing for more assets to be uh, bridging into the secret network to be used in Shade Blend uh, and some of our other applications. So it's a busy day for uh, for the developers on the Shade team. That's awesome! Excited, excited to hear a little bit more about that. Oh man, it's oh yeah. There's a uh, this this month is uh, the rest of the month of May is going to be pretty wild with announcements. Uh, I think every week we've got new strategic partners we're announcing. Uh, new assets we're going to be supporting on ShadeSwap. Um, there's obviously, we want to be, uh, meticulous is not the right word. We want to be thorough with our integration plans. And obviously, uh, we have Silk, which is our flagship native stablecoin that we want to see the, the circulating supply that continue to grow, but we want to do it in a secure way. So making sure we've got liquidity for all the assets. Uh, that we want to support as collateral is going to be pretty important. So the first step in all these integrations is getting these assets on ShadeSwap, building deep liquidity for them, making sure there's adequate routing uh, for these assets, and then and then looking to bring them on as collateral for uh, for ShadeBlend. And then we've also got we've heard some really interesting uh, heard some really interesting feedback from the community as far as assets that they'd like to support. Um, I, I won't get too deep into this because it's not super pertinent to our discussion but uh you know liquid staking derivatives generally reduce the hurdle rate uh for usage of dpos assets in DeFi, and so our our initial uh decision to prioritize liquid staking derivatives um 
as collateral for silt has worked out really well. We've seen incredible adoption with ST Atom in particular. Um, it, it's it's actually pretty funny. Uh, as we raise these max caps for uh, for the vaults, we've seen at times where people have bots just uh, sitting, waiting on these vaults, waiting for max caps to be raised. And there have been a few times where we've raised the max cap, and before we could even refresh the site, it's like half the vault was uh, already minted out again, which is pretty incredible. But people are also really interested in using just those base assets. Um, there's obviously risk assumptions that come with any asset um, that's not a native asset in DeFi. And so um, individuals who are looking to be a little bit more risk averse um, are really interested in using those native assets, native Atom, like unstaked Atom, unstaked Secret, unstaked Osmo, and some of the some of the more tier one assets uh, within the Cosmos ecosystem to use as collateral. And obviously, the 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 hurdle rate's a bit higher there, but um, the trade off is you don't have to uh, don't have to deal with as many of those risk assumptions with a more simple simplified asset. Yeah, for for sure. There's there's definitely a lot of interesting utility that um, I think we're starting to see all over the place within the Cosmos ecosystem and outside of the Cosmos ecosystem with with some of these staked assets. Um, like we started moving some staked atom over to Camelot recently, uh, but there there's certainly certainly a lot of demand, and I think it's it's a really good use case for all of these you know various lending and lending and borrowing protocols. Um, so it's it's awesome to see. It's kind of crazy to think that we didn't have that like six six months ago. Yeah, and we just got done with the Twitter space earlier this morning with Quicksilver and um, Vish, uh, one of the one of the protocol leads with Quicksilver. I believe he's the co-founder of Quicksilver. Who was basically discussing like you know the the development of liquid staking protocols, at least in EVM, uh, like in the EVM ecosystem kind of was in response to Lido's stake deeth. And so we saw the development and kind of proliferation of other liquid staking protocols uh, as a result of Lido's dominance and centralization of uh, liquid stake deeth. And Cosmos is a really interesting case study because there, I would almost argue, there is no better ecosystem for liquid staking to flourish in than the cosmos right now one because we're not dealing with you know one siloed sovereign chain right where the, the cosmos is interested in bridging those assets um or the cosmos ecosystem and the users within it are interested in bridging those assets from chain to chain being able to use those have composability for their assets and for cosmos um for the Cosmos ecosystem, you know, additionally, because governance is such a huge thing here, um, I, I really, truly think that liquid st the liquid staking renaissance or, or um, massive innovation that occurs with liquid staking is going to uh, occur on Cosmos. And so it's really great for ShadeSwap to um, be involved in that, in that crazy puzzle that's kind of unwinding and unfolding itself right now um, with ShadeSwap being the best decks in the Cosmos. Or really, um, really anywhere in DeFi right now to swap between liquid staking derivatives and their underlying layer one assets. So incredibly excited to see the continued innovation that's going on there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I think what there's Quicksilver, there's Stride, there's 
Neutron coming in, persistence. Um, there's there's plenty of liquid staking protocols that are, are coming out right now. Yep, and they're all kind of bringing their own unique value proposition. Uh, each one of them is kind of focusing on um, unique attributes that provide additional value to holders of these uh, staked DPoS assets. Um, but we can kind of we can kind of branch away from uh, from liquid staking derivative. We can focus on the conversation at hand. If we have more people that run in or that uh, come in during this conversation, that's great. Um, I'll give a quick recap for anyone new that comes in. But we're also going to be uh, using this for all sorts of different repromotion and and uh, short educational clips for anybody that's interested in learning a bit more about Axelar, its new recent developments, as well as how that impacts private DeFi and Shades. So. Go ahead and kick this off. Um, Jake, thank you for joining me today. Uh, behind the Shade Protocol account, my name is Red Eyed Bear. I, um, I primarily focus on marketing and operations with Shade Protocol. And today we're joined by Jake from Axelar. Jake, would you mind uh, giving an introduction? Sure. Um, so my name's Jake. I'm on the BD team here at, at Axelar. I cover um, most of our Cosmos ecosystem. So uh i'm pretty you know familiar with all of the various protocols um and at axlar we are a a cosmos sdk um, based chain um and we are a decentralized messaging protocol so uh, that allows us to really send uh assets to or from you know any chain within our network which i think is like 39 at this point uh or any contract calls payloads uh really any <laughs> any anything you want um essentially allowing applications to like interact with with their users with with one click experiences so um have some great use cases with with shade I'm excited to talk through some of those yeah i was taking a look earlier today about all the different chains outside the cosmos ecosystem that axlar is currently connected to and i know you guys are very um, heavily connected to Ethereum and the different layer twos um, that are built on top of Ethereum. And I see you guys are also uh, provide connections to uh, Binance Smart Chain, Phantom, uh, CeeLo, Moonbeam. I see Optimism is also going to be coming soon and a few other um, non-Cosmos chains. So it's, it's incredible to see you guys continuing to proliferate your, um, your external chain connections. Yeah, I'm, there's <laughs> there's got to be hundreds in the pipeline. So um, we're we're going to be moving to like more of a permissionless chain onboarding model with the new Axar virtual machine, which I'm excited about. So allows folks to or allows the folks here to focus a little bit more on um, developer experiences and network services rather than adding chains because. Uh, the the block the amount of blockchains coming out is does not seem to be slowing down. No, it seems like with everyone I talk to within the cosmos, everyone expects the uh, the number of chains to continue exponentially increasing. So, in a sense, uh, I kind of we we kind of discussed this earlier on a different Twitter space, but we think about the cosmos ecosystem in a very long term fashion. Um, mo most of the chains that are going to be here in the future are not here right now. Um, we've got, you know, a lot of OG chains, a lot of new developers coming in from other ecosystems, uh, primarily from Ethereum and Avalanche coming into the Cosmos ecosystem and building with Cosmosm and using the Cosmos SDK to build their, um, 
to build their app chains or and so it's incredibly encouraging from someone working within the cosmos ecosystem to see the continued adoption of the cosmos tech stack and seeing people leverage the interoperability and composability that IBC and some of the uh, some of the bridging solutions such as Axlar provide for users within this uh, Cosmos ecosystem. So for we'll just take it all the way back um, just to give a base layer of information for anyone who might not be aware of what exactly Axlar is and does and how it differs from other uh, bridging protocols that are currently available to the Cosmos ecosystem. Jake, would you imagine just briefly uh, touching on a high level what Axlar is um, and then how does it differ from the other main bridging solutions within the Cosmos? I think the other main one is the Gravity Bridge right now. Yep. So uh, Axlar is essentially a blockchain that connects blockchains. Um, and when we say connect blockchains, like right now, it was primarily sending assets into or out of the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, but we just had general message passing go live a couple weeks ago, and that allows us to send any contract call or any payload to or from any chain. So that's like executing functions on different chains, read, write, query, like really whatever you want to do. Um, from my understanding right now, I think Cosmos or Gravity Bridge is also a blockchain that connects blockchains. I think the the major difference is just um, the connectivity that we have to other blockchains, right? So we're not just connected to Ethereum. Um, we are continuously adding other other chains to our network, and we have this really interesting hub and spoke model, which allows you to you know really seamlessly move assets and information um, to or from any chain without needing like individual pairwise connections, right? So you get this one-to-many relationship as you are um, moving assets back and forth, which is which is pretty, pretty big. I think another like big differentiator, at least just within the Cosmos ecosystem right now is just Rosmosis's canonical bridging solution, which has a ton of liquidity. So most of our, our assets are uh, have a ton of utilization within the Cosmos ecosystem right now. Yeah, I, I've been a huge fan of using uh, applications and tools that are powered by Axelar. I personally loved using Satellite Money. Um, I think that has been one of the most uh, actively used applications that, um, that I've had. Uh, that I've had the experience to use primarily because it offers that universal asset transfer. Um, I'd say most of the bridges that currently exist, just general IBC bridges, uh, including the Shade Bridge, um, still require users to bridge non-native assets back to their native chain and then um, and then to the chain that they'd wish to uh, actually bridge their assets to. And so with universal asset transfer that Axlar adds, one, that's a huge uh, improvement in UX just for uh, the the chains currently within the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, so even if you're not looking to uh, bridge in or out assets that are uh, native to EVM networks or Avalanche or any of these other networks uh, outside of the Cosmos ecosystem, uh, Axelar's uh, bridging technology has been pretty instrumental in uh, increasing the expectation for UI UX when it comes to uh, asset composability within the Cosmos. But 
you know, I, I think this begs the question um, that, you know, why, why does Cosmos need bridging? Uh, when I first joined uh, or first learned about the Cosmos ecosystem, it was right around the time that IBC was launching. You know, I thought this was, you know, this, and it still is this kind of next level uh, interoperability um, framework that allows assets to be sent, messages to be sent. Um, yeah, I guess I, it is important to distinguish uh, the fact that as, both assets and uh, messages, uh, general messages, can be passed um, from chain to chain. But there is still need or there is still utility in providing access uh, to liquidity functionality outside of the cosmos ecosystem and so maybe jake you'd be best um you'd be best poised to talk about why connecting cosmos ecosystem blockchains to other blockchains outside of cosmos that that don't have this native ibc interoperability why that is so uh, important sure so i i mean i think that stable coins are are huge right they like you need liquidity for a functioning economy and and economic growth and uh we have noble chain coming out with native USTC, which will be awesome um i think uh usdt is also going to be making its way into the cosmos ecosystem but uh essentially right there's not composability between blockchains so you need to lock tokens on a chain with a lot of with a lot of liquidity like ethereum so when we're bridging some a you know a usdc token over from ethereum it's actually getting locked in our gateway contracts on ethereum and then minted on um you know whatever chain we're sending into within the cosmos ecosystem um so that keeps that like one-to-one parity, but essentially allows you to access global liquidity. Uh, and then once you know we do start having more and more native tokens uh, within the Cosmos ecosystem, which is great because then you don't have any bridge risk, there's still gonna be this kind of long tail of assets that, you know, Shade Lend might want to be able to access that like long tail of liquidity and, and borrow against any asset um, and essentially be able to like do commerce, not just within your own blockchain or your own country, but, you know, all over the world and kind of enable this like globalization. So um, it just gives you, it gives access to larger markets, more collateral to lend against. Um, and if you have like secure interoperability infrastructure, then you can feel confident that um, you know you're do, you're doing that in a secure manner, and and that's a safe place to be doing business. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy actually to make. Like thinking about a country that wants to supply everything it needs for its citizens to be able to thrive. Um, you know, you can try and build these frameworks, all of these different uh, utilities, but ultimately there's always going to be something outside of your ecosystem, your sovereign. Uh, boundaries that is going to benefit um, is going to benefit your users, and I think your your example of stable coins is definitely the first one that comes to mind. Maybe maybe tier other tier one assets like uh, Ethereum wrapped Bitcoin. Um, th- those are always going to be uh, high value assets to be able to bridge really into any non EVM chain. Um, but the stable coin narrative is is definitely true. Uh, Silk is definitely unique in the sense where it 
provides a lot of value propositions that are not found in other stable coins, but there is still utility in bringing other stable coins not native to the uh, Cosmos ecosystem, not native to Secret Network, into uh, the Cosmos to be able to provide you know additional utility for uh, different user bases. You know, people who might call Ethereum their home. Uh, because this is the ecosystem that they're most familiar with, giving individuals a way to use those familiar assets in DeFi outside of that comfort zone is uh, is definitely a big value prop, especially as DeFi continues exploding. Um, you know, we're still, especially in the cosmos, but I would even extend this argument to uh, Ethereum. DeFi is still relatively immature. And so the opportunities for users to use their assets in DeFi to earn yield, to unlock additional utility um, is going to continue to grow. And so providing that easy access, that secure access to these other assets um, and, and utility is going to be extremely paramount. Um, you know, and that's great. Uh, you know, as, as a protocol who has built their own stablecoin, um, obviously, the introduction of other large centralized stablecoins does pose some, somewhat of a, I, I won't say it's really a competitive risk because the stablecoins offer different value propositions. People who want to hold USDC are doing it generally for a different reason. They might want to hold DAI or they might want to hold USK or Silk or any other decentralized stablecoin for that matter. Um, but that what what Axelar is offering as far as this this secure bridging solution um, is pretty incredible because we've already seen the the capital inflows that have uh, basically started since Axelar started providing their their bridging solution and uh, you know at least on some of the larger dexes within the Cosmos ecosystem Osmosis is obviously one of the easiest ones to point to we've seen. Um, you know, USDC, wrapped ETH, wrapped Bitcoin liquidity really starting to flow in and people are really uh, kind of chomping at the bit to use those assets in DeFi. So it's been great to see uh, the progress that you guys have made thus far. Yeah, I think that we just actually hit like over 2 billion um, of assets that we've primarily moved into and out of the Cosmos ecosystem. That doesn't include, I, I don't think that includes Squid um, and all of, you know, the swaps that Squid enables, but yeah, it's been uh, so, a lot of money yeah. moving back and forth. That's a phenomenal statistic to share and congratulations for you guys for hitting that milestone. Um, I know this is just one of the earliest of milestones. So, uh, you know, a year from now, you'll probably look back and be like, damn, that's just the tiny little blip on our, on our graph looking at this growth. Um, but I would love, um, you know, kind of talking about uh, what Axlar provides, what bridging solutions in general provide, being able to connect sovereign blockchains. Um, if you wouldn't mind, Jake, would you mind elaborating on some of the risk assumptions that come with bridging assets, whether it be through Axlar or any other uh, canonical bridge that might be used in any ecosystem? Um, sure. I mean, I think that. You know, when we think about all of the bridge hacks that happened last year, um, pretty much every single hack boiled down into a multi-sig, right? Where you have a centralized entity in between two decentralized entities, and then you have a bunch of money locked in smart contracts on one chain, and it just becomes like 
a very attractive place to spend time trying to, you know, man, man, manipulate those contracts or the code or, or what have you. Um, and XR security model is essentially the exact same security model that Secret shares, that Osmosis shares, that like any other Cosmos or just, um, you know, uh, proof of stake network shares where we are secured by a permissionless decentralized set of validators, right? So instead of having like a two of three or a five of nine or, or what have you, um, right now we have, you know, 70 validators that need to reach consensus before, you know, moving any message or, or any asset to or from any chain within our network. Um, and I think that, you know, we're starting to see wormholes building out a Cosmos chain, like I think router protocol is. Um, a bunch of of interoperability solutions are starting to see that like this is kind of the right way to do this in, in a secure manner. Um, but then there's also a bunch of interesting kind of features and functionality that we're able to add on top of that to further de-risk, um, you know, probably arguably one of the riskiest spaces in crypto, right? So we have rate limits on an asset level, rate limits on a blockchain level. Um, we added quadratic voting to the network to further decentralize our, our validator set. Um, so from like, I think everything that we do is really focused on on risk and, and mitigating that. Um, so I think those are most of the most of the risk assumptions that we've kind of like added into into the call. Yeah, that that's really great to hear the the steps you guys have taken to try and mitigate some of these uh, you know generally assumed risks associated with bridging and something you said really perked my ears up there. Um, something about applying a uh, was it quadratic voting mechanism to help decentralize uh, your validator set. That sounds extremely interesting because my first thought when you were uh, mentioning how uh, the Axelar bridge is secured um, being through this set of validators, I was, I was wondering if your security assumption would continue to increase uh, as your validator set increases, assuming that decentralization of stake, uh, you know, is maintained throughout the validator set expansion. Is that an actual question? Yeah, I, I'm curious, like, is the, is the plan for you guys to continue to improve the security of your bridge? Um, like, are you guys really set on a 70 validator set right now? Um, like, is that the number you've come to conclude is going to be viable for uh, the short medium term? Or do you guys have any plans to continue to expand that to enhance the security posture of the bridge? Yeah, I think the the plan is definitely to add it. It's um, right now. I think it is like at a good a good place. But like we plan on you know further and further decentralizing uh, every everything that we do here. So um, I think that that's it's probably capped for like the short term. Um, but it, it's really about like a performance thing, right? So if uh, a performance like also weighing in like the decentralization aspect. I think we're at, it's like a comfortable, a comfortable place in terms of decentralization. But if you know if we could add another twenty validators and it wouldn't like hurt performance of the blockchain at all, like we'd 
we'd be there already. Um, so it's just kind of like weighing the, the pros and cons of that. Okay, I, I appreciate that context. Um, so now I really want to get into some of the biggest news that's uh, been coming out from Axlar recently, and that's the the development and I assume uh, soon launching of Axlar's general message passing. I could be incorrect. It could be already launched. Might be out of date here. But uh, Jake, if you wouldn't mind, could you please tell us what exactly general message passing is? Sure. So general message passing essentially allows you to send any payload to or from any chain within the network. So uh, previously it was EVM to EVM compatible, and now we've gotten that compatible with IBC as well. So kind of similar to how, if you, you like back to the, um, the staked assets examples, right? Like Stride sends a message to stake an asset on a different chain. Um, without needing to like deploy their application, like all of their application logic on that chain. Now we're just able to um, kind of reproduce that from their Cosmos-based blockchain or any Cosmos-based blockchain to any other chain that we're connected to. Gotcha. And if you don't have the answer to my next question, uh, that that's totally fine. I know it's a bit more technical, but how exactly does general message passing differ from uh, the current uh, bridging solutions or the current bridging solution you guys are using right now? Um, I know you had mentioned you guys are basically locking up uh, assets, you know, for the Ethereum to Cosmos example, locking up assets, whether it be ETH, USDC, whatever, in your gateway contract and minting that uh, on the chain that it would like to be received on. How does a general message passing differ from that? So I think in that scenario, like you can reach the same, that's just an asset transfer, right? So like that's the bridging example. Um, this enables you to do much more complex stuff. Like you can, in just the bridging example, I guess like when you're doing an asset transfer, it's gotta be like digested by our actual blockchain. And we can do the exact same thing by just like using Axelar as a routing layer um, and sending the message back and forth without having it to like go through our blockchain. So it's just uh, a more efficient way to be moving assets back and forth. But previously before general message passing was enabled, like literally all we could do with was move assets. Now we're able to work with like Somalier where they are sending messages from their Cosmos chain to Arbitrum and Avalanche with like directions for different vault strategies, right? Like that's the sort of thing that we were never, never able to do previously. Okay. Okay. So, all right, this has got the gears turning in my head right now. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, would some examples of like what you would use general message passing for be like, uh potentially wanting to uh vote on another chain like if you hold assets that have governance capabilities being able to vote on another chain or or being able to do uh cross-chain smart contract calls uh, would that kind of be up that alleyway yeah exactly okay okay yeah so this is where uh, i think it gets really interesting especially when we're uh talking about secret network um, seeing as Secret Network offers private by default smart contracts, this opens up a a really interesting, uh, or it opens up really interesting privacy as a solution opportunities. 
or privacy as a service opportunities for chains outside of the secret network uh, blockchain. I know we've had the development of interchain smart contracts. Um, and I believe those are those are currently live right now, and Secret Network is utilizing those. But I guess this takes it up a whole nother level and allows those interchain smart contracts to truly go um, cross ecosystem outside of the Cosmos uh, ecosystem into the EVM uh, EVM ecosystem. So that is pretty bullish right there. Yeah, um, we're definitely excited. So have you? Um, I'm curious, what are what are some of the initial blockchains who have reached out to you guys as far as utilizing general message passing and and what what are some of the use cases that you've seen um, that are going to be popping up first? Um, so it's it's not necessarily on a blockchain level; it's more on like an application level. So similar to you know Secret Network, it's like we're working with you guys as an application on top of Secret Network rather than Secret Network itself. Um, but I think that there's a general, there's like a little bit of a paradigm shift that's taking place. I think it's going to take a while to like really play out. But essentially the way that people have multi-chain applications right now is you deploy all of your application logic on multiple different chains to gain access to liquidity within those ecosystems. And we're switching to a model where uh, we believe it's going to be more scalable. I think we're just starting to see applications come out um, with this model because it takes a little bit longer to build, but essentially allows you to have most of your application logic on one blockchain and then send messages to smart contracts on other blockchains, right? So going back to the Somalier example, um, they don't have Somalier uh, deployed fully on Ethereum or on Arbitrum or on Avalanche but we're just sending messages to satellite contracts on those chains. So I think that more and more we're starting to see applications like realize that they can scale a little bit faster if they start to build that way. Um, but then like across the board, right? Like uh, this enables you to start bridging NFTs. Um, you can use Squid, which leverages GMP for cross-chain deposits. And that's, you know, a use case for pretty much any chain. Um, we're about to launch something called the Interchain Token, which is going to allow us to just bridge any token in existence. So I think that that will be huge for lending and borrowing protocols um, to really gain access to that, like, liquidity of, of every token in existence. Um, so it's, it's a little bit... Uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's really just a, a ton of, of different use cases. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some sometimes we're surprised too, right? So it's a, it's a little bit all over the place. So just, just kind of going off what you have mentioned thus far, do you think this will reduce the need for some of the outposts that we've seen uh, different blockchains create on other blockchains? I know Osmosis has created outposts on a few different uh, blockchains and applications um, kind of that allow these applications to utilize osmosis liquidity, Mars Hub being um, an easy example. I'm curious if you think that this will slowly start to, um, I, I know the, the whole outpost narrative and, and tech stack or framework has, um, 
it's still relatively new within the, the cosmos, but I'm curious if you think this will start causing a shift um, just as this uh, these frameworks are starting to kind of be deployed in production. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that the Mars outpost example is a great example where like GMP will essentially allow them to take everything that they're doing right now within Cosmos and just expand to other ecosystems. So I would predict that we'll start seeing more of that. That's, that's incredibly bullish for me, not even, not even from like a personal level, but just thinking about uh, the state of DeFi and how quickly things are moving there. There truly is a lot of value in being able to, build quickly and ship fast and it sounds like xlr's general message passing is gonna really help developers take that next leap in um efficiency when it comes to building these products and so i'm really hoping that uh that xlr's gmp will help kind of spur or continue to spur and exponentially increase the adoption and, and rate of uh you know launching to mainnet production uh, for all these different DeFi applications so that's incredibly uh, bullish news or education for me to learn uh, personally. Yeah, it's excited to see um, to see it start taking shape. I think we have a lot of tooling and stuff out there that will further help like expedite it. So you had uh, before you mentioned something at the beginning of this, which I want to touch on in just a second. That Axelar virtual machine, but um, before I get to that. Um, you had mentioned Noble uh, going to be launching USDC natively or, or helping uh, launch USDC natively. Is Noble going to be using uh, Axelar's general message passing to allow that uh, sort of native issuance of USDC? Uh, so we'll actually, as far as I know, it's actually going to get minted on the Noble chain. But we are partners with Circle and CCIP where... For example, if you are moving USDC from Avalanche or Ethereum or Arbitrum to the Noble chain on Cosmos, then you will be able to leverage, like you'll essentially be sending a message from like Avalanche through Axlar to like their centralized servers to uh, kind of like do do the mint and burn or like the actual minting and burning happens in, in like a centralized location, but you still need to get the message to or from the blockchains. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. One hundred percent. Yeah. I know this is going to be a a bit of a confusing time for anybody in DeFi who's used to some of these legacy solutions that we've seen. Um, and kind of like you mentioned, Jake, there's a a paradigm shift happening right now in the security assumptions and the designs for how some of these bridging solutions work. So I know it might be a a bit uncomfortable is probably not the best word to describe it but there's going to be somewhat of a learning curve associated with these new uh this new tech stack but i think that once individuals realize the value and efficiency that general messaging uh general message passing provides for um all of these different applications it it's it's going to be adopted pretty quickly so um yeah really excited do you guys have any uh any timelines that you could potentially share for when um, general message passing is going to be, you know, fully out in production and being used by uh, multiple multiple different entities? Uh, within the Cosmos ecosystem, I would expect to start seeing like more and more live examples over the next couple of months. Okay, okay, so pretty short time frame. That that's great to see. Hopefully, that'll. Uh, 
help kick off and kind of bleed into the rest of uh, the DeFi summer we're hoping to have. I know, uh, you know, because of the because of the bear market, there's a little bit less activity and social channels, communities have uh, somewhat died down from their relative ranks. Um, you know, during the last bull market, but the people who are still here um, generally are very, very focused um, on kind of that long-term vision. And so three months is, <laughs> three months is probably nothing. I know in crypto, three months can seem like a whole year or more sometimes, but, um, you know, before we know it, we're going to start seeing the native issuance of all these different assets who called the EVM ecosystem their, their home initially uh, within the cosmos. So, from someone who also has a very long time frame <clears throat> horizon for you know this space and what we'd like to see it develop into, um, you know, before we know it, we'll see this being used uh, across the ecosystem and other sovereign blockchain ecosystems. Yeah, for sure. We're we're still early. <laughs> so, uh, one of the last questions I have uh, for you, and it's because you mentioned this earlier, is that you guys are planning on launching a virtual machine for Axelar. Uh, would you mind detailing that all, if you can? If you can't tease too much, it's understandable. But if you've got any information to share, we'd love to hear it. Sure. Um, so, I mean, we announced it. We're it's still kind of getting built, but. Essentially, it's our Cosmosm instantiation on top of our blockchain that's for network services, right? So um, some examples of that are like the interchain token, where um, we're essentially going to be able to you know, go into a portal and deploy and manage contracts on whatever chains you want for uh, whatever token you want. Um, another example is we have this portal that's essentially going to like if you want to build an application that has this top and spoke model and you have like satellite contracts written up for Avalanche, then um, the tooling is supposed to allow you to uh, kind of translate, deploy, and manage that across any other chain within our network, like really in one click. Um, and then we also have like some bounties. So like if other builders have ideas for other services that are going to make this like interchain development easier for you know other builders like we want people to be able to come and build services on top of the network and i guess lastly um is just like permissionless onboarding model where uh, there's tooling getting built out that is essentially going to allow blockchains to like way easier faster um, integrate into the network. So that is more of a self-service model that frees up our engineers' time to focus more on, you know, robust network services. Yeah, that's amazing to hear. That was actually, what, what you mentioned about the permissionless listing uh, for blockchains, that was actually uh, my last question, my actual last question I had for you. Um, just because, you know, as quickly as this space moves, um, and as decentralized as many of us would like to see this space become, um, having that permissionless utility and onboarding is going to be incredibly important, especially because, you know, it would be somewhat difficult for the Axelar team to scale uh, appropriately to be able to match kind of the growth of all these different chains and services that really want to leverage Axelar's, uh, you know, general bridging solution or their general message passing. Um, so having that permissionless ability to 
um, you know, request your blockchain be supported on Axelar and be able to unlock sort of that uh, general message passing and uh, general asset transferring ability through Axelar's blockchain. It's going to be incredible. Um, you know, the the conversation we had earlier today with Quicksilver, um, they were discussing the ability for individuals to permissionlessly, or or rather blockchains that permissionlessly uh, request and effectively um, get developed a Quicksilver liquid staking derivative. And I think they're they're kind of in the same spot. Liquid staking derivatives are in a similar sort of adoption uh, pathway as um, you know chains that are going to be wanting to utilize Axelar's general message passaging. And so the ability to make that process, that onboarding process permissionless is is going to be mutually beneficial for both blockchains looking to utilize it and also Axelar, uh, Axelar's core contributors looking to help, you know, empower and facilitate this uh, permissionless onboarding. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. So if uh, I know we've only got a few listeners here uh, in the in the chat, but if any of you guys have any questions for Jake, any questions about Axlar's um, tech stack, bridging solution, anything they might be offering in the near, medium, or long term future, feel free to come up here, request to speak, ask your question. Uh, myself or Jake would be more than happy to at least attempt to answer your question. Not saying we have all of the answers, but. I'd be happy to at least take a stab at answering any questions. So while we're giving people uh, a chance to come up here and ask questions if they do, um, I've got one question, uh, one last question for you, Jake, before we wrap this up. And uh, I'm curious kind of what you personally are most looking forward to in the next six months, uh, whether it's dealing with Axelar's uh, continued development, um, you know, development of other, you know, other Cosmos tech stack aspects, um, you know, uh, interested in the way regulation is kind of playing out uh, in different sovereign uh, countries. Curious what you're kind of focused on uh, personally, like what's, what's, Keeping your attention, what's uh, got your mind share right now? Jeez, there's so much. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely interested in, in the regulation aspect. I think that there's a lot of new blockchains that are coming out, which is going to be interesting to see like how they gain traction just given like the market environment that we're in. Um, and then I think like, I mean, personally, like what I'm most excited about is just seeing more and more like interesting use cases start to develop and like some of this infrastructure in the space just mature a little bit more um and just seeing like how how that impacts the what people are able to build and like some of the new ideas that that folks have yeah i would say at least personally I, i'm with you on the regulation standpoint um i've seen some Interesting. I'll use that descriptor just so I don't uh, <laughs> say anything out of pocket. But we've seen some interesting uh, developments and regulation for uh, digital asset um, for digital assets in Europe with MICA uh, being pushed forward. We've seen uh, Canada recently. I, I don't know if they actually approved and ratified their uh, Canadian Securities Act, but I know that was recently. Um, push forward in their legislature 
Um, and, and through that regulation, we'd see many, if not all, uh, digital assets, including stable coins, uh, listed as securities. And so rightfully so, we've seen a lot of different exchanges already looking to move outside of uh, these jurisdictions. And personally, I you know I am U.S.-based. Um, so for me, U.S. regulation is what uh, I'm most concerned about. But seeing some of the developments in countries that the U.S. might pull inspiration from or has really tight regulatory connections to, it is always uh, a bit concerning to think to see things moving in the direction kind of antithetical to what this space is really meant to bring about you know uh, at least with shade protocol um you know we're heavily dedicated uh and heavily believe in the the fact that privacy is a human right and that and that privacy extends to the digital ex- that the digital space you know digital uh, transparency, digital sovereignty, uh, access to global financial systems. And my greatest fear, um, and you know, not saying that this can't be changed, but my greatest fear is that that access to global financial systems is going to be severely um, regulated and kind of hindered uh, in a way that just supports and props up the existing financial systems that are currently in place. Yeah, it's uh, it's scary. Let's hope not. But <laughs> yeah, there's enough stuff going on in DeFi to keep me distracted. Uh, in the meantime, so all we can really do is put our heads down and continue grinding and and doing what we set out to do uh, with Shade Protocol. That's building an interconnected system of private DeFi applications and and building Shade and Silk utility throughout uh, as many sovereign blockchains as we can. Right now, we're in the we're in the growth phase where we're still prioritizing Silk Utility within Secret Network, but within this next month, uh, we'll see Silk start to expand its utility outside the Secret Network ecosystem. Um, and I'm really interested once I, well, it's not really up to me, but just from a curiosity standpoint, I'm really interested to learn more about Axlar's GMP and seeing how, um, seeing how that development can improve Silk utility outside of Secret Network. Um, so space is moving fast. Yeah. Yeah, let us know if you need any intros outside of um, outside of the Cosmos ecosystem. We'd be happy to, to help broker those and, and get some utility elsewhere. Yeah, it's actually, I, I really appreciate uh, the extension of that. Um, and I'm sure we will most likely take you up on that. Uh, it's been really crazy to watch the uh, adoption curve for Silk kind of play out over the last month. Uh, Silk was launched just under a month ago, and uh, at about the three-month mark, Silk became the largest decentralized stablecoin in the cosmos. And so, and, and you know, and that's only with accepting five different forms of uh, of collateral or five different assets for collateral. We currently accept ST Atom. ST Osmo, Stake Secret, and those three are all uh, different types of liquid staking derivatives for um, Cosmos Layer 1 assets. And then we also accept USDC and USDT as collateral. But we are, like I mentioned earlier on, the first step in uh, you know bringing in new collateral assets uh, for backing of Silk, 
um, requires us to have deep liquidity for these assets first on ShadeSwap. That way we can make sure to facilitate liquidations uh, in a safe and secure manner, making sure that people have the liquidity to be able to actually uh, perform those liquidations. Um, but just internally, I, I can't give too much away because uh, I unfortunately don't have the authority to do that. But uh, there are a lot of assets outside of the Cosmos ecosystem that we're extremely excited to bring on, um, both as assets supported on ShadeSwap, being able to facilitate um, you know, incredibly efficient swaps between uh, liquid staking derivatives and their underlying layer ones, um, but also expanding the collateral backing for Silk. Um, you know, the, the end goal for Silk is to have um, a plethora of uncorrelated assets, uh, preferably tier one assets um, that, that are backing Silk's collateral or that are backing Silk. Um, and so right now, uh, top, the top assets um, that individuals are looking to collateralize or, or even just use in general money market lending protocols, Adam is by far um, you know, the, the most demanded asset. And so for us, um, our first uh, assets, we wanted to make sure we prioritize our uh, liquid staking derivatives for Atom, um, you know, uh, and unstaked Atom as well for individuals who don't want to assume the risk, um, the risk assumptions with uh, liquid staking derivatives. But really excited to bring on other EVM assets into the secret network. Um, to be able to provide that private DeFi experience for individuals looking to swap, provide liquidity, um, you know, borrow silk against, and and again, I I can't uh, I can't give away too much, otherwise I'm gonna get in trouble. But um, yeah, there there's gonna be a, a whole lot of uh, private utility unlocked within Shade Protocol's suite of applications over the next six months. That's awesome! Congrats on the silk growth too. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh it's kind of surreal uh to watch it. And while I think it speaks to um it does speak to uh the value proposition that Silk is providing kind of as this global volatility hedge, especially in times of extreme volatility, uh like we're seeing right now, um, with you know, instability existing within our uh kind of um legacy uh, financial institutions, but also just seeing the general volatility in the, uh, in the crypto market. Um, but, but also I think it also speaks to the fact that people really want to unlock utility for their, uh, for their assets in cosmos. Um, I think for the longest time, individuals really haven't had a whole lot to do with their assets other than LP. Um, and while liquidity providing is definitely a crucial, um, piece of the puzzle, Within DeFi, there's so much more that individuals can do with their assets um, in in mature financial systems, and so personally excited to see Shade continue to mature and develop. Um, you know, a big part of this adoption, uh, whether it be Silk's adoption, Shade Swap's adoption, is kind of this LSD dex for uh, for Cosmos DeFi, uh, Ethereum DeFi. Um, you know. We we need to be able to. Um... Oh man, that thought just literally left my head. <laughs> um... <Yeah. laughs> 
all good. It happens. It happens. But yeah, uh, unlocking utility for um, for assets in the cosmos is going to be incredibly important. So Shadeland is one of those first kind of moments that individuals can, at least within private DeFi, where users can kind of unlock greater utility for those assets. And then um, additionally, with uh, the assets that are primarily supported being liquid staking derivatives, we're able to reduce that hurdle rate um, even more. Um, and then kind of adding the privacy on top of that, that we at least at Shade Protocol try and envision uh, the privacy aspect as the cherry on top. Um, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, different adoption cycles and what really pushes people to move from a familiar utility or a familiar environment to an unfamiliar environment, it generally takes more than just being, you know, two times better than the than the competition or than your next best alternative. And so for us, we've always tried to maintain the stance that privacy is incredibly important. It remains at the, the center of our uh, ethos and value proposition, but we want to make sure to provide more utility and value to users of our applications than just the privacy aspect. Um, because there are other people building, you know, just privacy applications on secret network. There's other privacy networks that exist. Uh, most of them are just purely transactional based, but um, being able to, uh, one, being able to provide additional utility, but also being able to provide a really simple UX, um, you know, it, it, it goes a long way when, uh, when it comes to thinking about what it takes to get individuals to try out a new DEX. Um, you know, I can only really speak to myself, but for the longest time, Osmosis was, uh, the only DEX I really used outside of, uh, initially, um, the gravity decks. Um, but it, it, just thinking about what it took for me to go try out uh, Finn on Kujira for the first time, um, you know, the, the amount of convincing or the amount of understanding of these different, um, these different applications, it's a lot, it's a lot higher of a barrier to get people to move than most people would assume. So we're doing everything we can to make sure that um, when people do make that shift or when people do come over to Shade Protocols applications for the first time, they're left with an extremely positive experience. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting upcoming six months. I'm glad to, glad to hear and know that Axelar is supporting Secret Network and uh, trying to help us unlock different utility and functionality um, for both assets and uh, you know, contract to contract interactions outside of uh, the Cosmos ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely help out from a, a UI perspective. Um, I could run. I got, I got a one o'clock, uh, but it was awesome connecting. Really excited for the work that we're going to be able to do together. Let me know if we can help make any other introductions to to get silk out of the Cosmos ecosystem when when the time is right. Um, I'm excited to to keep partnering with you guys. Yeah, I know. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time as well. So I appreciate you coming on here and talking with us today, Jake, um, giving us a little bit of a look inside of what XLR is currently doing um, and what they're going to be unlocking in the future, uh, especially as it relates to uh, Cosmos chains. Um, so thank you again uh, for joining the space. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. I'll keep the space open for another few minutes after Jake hops off in case anyone has any questions. Um, but if not, Hope everyone has a phenomenal day. And again, thank you, Jake, for coming on here to speak with us. Cool. All right. See you guys. Thanks.
Yep. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to hop up here. It uh, doesn't have to be about Axlar. It could be about uh, Shade Protocols applications in general, anything to do with Silk, uh, announcements coming out. Uh, we'll keep this space open for a few more minutes um, in the event anyone has any questions. Otherwise, uh, after this, uh, we'll be hopping into the Shade Protocol Discord, uh, our voice chat. Generally, we have community hours after these spaces. So if anyone has any questions, needs any help with support, troubleshooting anything, um, feel free to go in there, ask questions. We always have mods in there during these times to answer any questions. So, All right, King of Rio, you are on stage, man. Feel free to ask your question. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, wonderful. Hey, uh, what's, what's the future with the... Uh... The bonds, any any future with that, um, or what's going on with that? Maybe, maybe you can shed some light. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you coming up here and asking your question. I know it can seem somewhat intimidating. Uh, so I'm not saying this is the case for you, but it's always a uh, very appreciative from our side when individuals uh, step up and ask questions. So, um, as far as shade bonds, um, that was the second product that for anyone who. Uh, isn't familiar with Shade Bonds. Uh, that was the second product that Shade Protocol put out uh, into its interconnected suite of applications. Um, it was actually the first Bonds uh, product offered in the Cosmos. And so currently, uh, we've used we've utilized it for a few different things, uh, which is actually kind of interesting when you think about it. The amount of flexibility that Bonds has provided us um, with, like being able to do certain things. Uh, the first uh, or Rather, the main thing that bonds really allow uh, the protocol and users to do is to either allow users to um, acquire assets that the protocol owns, the DAO owns, um, without incurring any slippage. So we've done this a few different times with, um, or, or it allows the protocol, sorry, uh, and it also allows the protocol to acquire assets um, via zero slippage for protocol on liquidity. So in the past we've used, uh, we've issued shade bonds in order to acquire um, different LP tokens on different DEXs uh, that basically uh, represented, you know, assets pooled on different DEXs. We've used it to, uh, we've issued shade bonds to acquire uh, single-sided liquidity or single assets I believe we've issued uh, shade bonds for both Atom and Osmo in the past. Uh, currently, shade bonds are being primarily utilized as a way to issue secret surge uh, incentives. Um, so anyone who's not familiar with uh, secret surge, this is a, a DeFi liquidity campaign that's powered by secret network and secret labs. Um, effectively, this is a, a campaign to help reignite um, DeFi on Secret Network with all the different product launches that we've got going out. I believe there's four different uh, four different DeFi products that are launching within this Secret Surge. The initial window of Secret Surge we've got Shade Protocol, Blizzard Finance, um, Sienna, Sienna Swap, and then Secret Swap 2.0. Um, and so each of the incentives works a little bit different for each Dex, but for Shade Protocol um, users who are providing liquidity. Uh, for any of these surge incentivized pools, we'll be able to earn something called V secret. And this basically represents vested stake secret. So anyone who's uh, providing liquidity to these pools, there are currently five of them. Uh, if I try and list them off the top of my head, I know I'm going to at least mess up one. Um, but uh, 
users who are earning the secret are able to take that V secret, interact with the uh, stake secret and, or sorry, the, the V secret stake secret uh, bonds contract. And what you would effectively do is you bond your V secret. And then after that 30 day, um, after the 30 day window, you unlock stake secret, which is secret networks, uh, or sorry, uh, that is shade protocols, um, liquid staking derivative for secret. And so, the entire time that um, you know you're holding this V secret, it, it effectively represents a one to one redemption for stake secret. So, for users who are just currently holding it, they haven't bonded it yet, and they're wondering, "Hey, am I losing any value with uh, with just holding this V secret instead of stake secret?" Um, that V secret represents a one to one redemption for stake secret and that stake secret the redemption rate for um, those liquid staking derivatives is continually increasing so what that v secret represents um, is a staking derivative a vested staking derivative that is continually accruing uh, rewards so to bring it back to uh, your initial question you know what is what are bonds going to be primarily used for? What are they primarily used for right now? Right now, they're primarily used um, to allow to unlock this uh, these liquidity incentives. They also uh, act as a really good way for the protocol to acquire assets um, or to distribute assets uh, with no slippage for anyone looking uh, to acquire them. If I missed anything, feel free to ask me to clarify. Oh no, great explanation. Uh- are, at some point, are we going to be able to, to, are you going to allow us to trade the bonds? So that's a good question. And unfortunately, I do not have the answer to that. Um, I'm not sure. I I think maybe kind of along those lines, I think that in the future, in the future, we will see whether this is something that Shade Protocol develops or, or another uh, protocol kind of building on top of shade um, develops, you know, which case I, I can't be sure, but I do imagine that there will eventually be markets that that offer instant or near instant redemption for some of these bonded products uh, in exchange for some of the value that gets unlocked over time. So you could imagine, uh, you know, let's say I'm, I'm just going to come up with some hypothetical uh, values here, but imagine over the course of a month uh, bonding an asset, you you would yield 5% more of that asset after that 30-day window. Well, what we could see is the emergence of products and markets that allow users to unlock, let's say, 4% of that 5% yield immediately, but they have to forfeit that 1% yield at the um at the end of that unbonding. And so um, we're kind of, uh, it kind of unlocks some of the game theory surrounding, uh, you know, the time value of money. Uh, so to, to answer your question, that currently is not offered, but considering, uh, considering the adoption and, and expansion of DeFi and sort of the utility that some of these applications are providing, I, I see this emerging um, definitely in the medium term. Great, thank you for that explanation. Just one, one more thing um, is I, I imagine uh, pretty soon uh, we're going to have the ability to to stake our shade. Um, oh, you broke up there, right at the end. I saw I, the last I heard was I imagine we're going to be able to stake our shade uh, sometime soon. I didn't hear what came after that, unfortunately. 
You still with me? Yep, yep, I can hear you. Well, I could hear you. Now I can't. Um, but just anybody to, hear me? Go. Yep, yep, I can hear you now. Anyone in the audience hear me? Okay, you can hear me. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's connection issues or what. It could also be on my side. But to answer uh, the beginning part of your question, yes, uh, shade staking is going to be coming uh, soon. Don't have a date to give you right now, unfortunately, but you can look forward to the unlocking of the rest of the airdrop uh, when Shade Staking goes live. Also, Shade is going to be developing a liquid staking derivative for Shade, which is going to unlock some additional utility uh, for staked Shade as well. So really excited to, to get that out the door. Um, obviously, we have a lot of things we're working on and. You know, we, we can't ever use the excuse that something uh, has slightly higher priority than others. Um, but uh, yeah, we've, we've got some incredible assets that we're going to be bringing on to ShadeSwap soon, incredible assets into ShadeLens soon. And so uh, staking is going to be, staking is definitely a priority. It's just, uh, it's just being worked on. <laughs> I guess that's the, the, the best uh, answer I can give right now. But... I think we are going to officially wrap it up here. Thank you very much, um, King Frio, for coming up here and asking your questions. It's always much appreciated. Thank you to uh, MB, uh, ZJ, for you guys joining this Twitter space, listening through the whole time. Really appreciate that. We're going to be cutting up a whole bunch of this uh, Twitter space and using it for um, for different educational pieces to up to basically uh, educate people about some of the <clears throat> some of the innovations coming within uh, the cosmos that are going to be impacting secret network DeFi and, and more specifically shade protocol. So look forward to um, some educational content on our YouTube and our blog uh, coming out soon regarding some of these, uh, some of these new tech stack innovations, but appreciate you all for listening. I'm going to wrap this up here. Um, it's been great talking with uh, Jake from Axelar. Really appreciate him coming on and uh, kind of giving us the inside scoop of what's going on with their general messaging, general message passing protocol. Um, thank you again for joining and hope you guys all have a great rest of the day. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Into the Interchain, hosted by Shade Protocol, featuring Axelar Network, recorded on Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Principle in like Taoism. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the third app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath. Fishing for some dry powder, watch how we ignite the tower. Blowing up the bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code. And now it's mutiny community.
opportunity. Yup, rise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit. Needle and noose. Sticking with my armory. Yam, beta, and bruise. Repping psychedelic artistry. Believe in the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. They started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out. Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about. Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits. All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits. And that kibble's just sawdust. The shit is all rust. Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts. And I for one did not see that coming. Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money. Meanwhile, over here, rewiring features. More critical thinking, huh? Less knee jerk, more evolution, less shit coin. Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you it would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.